Welcome into the Irish NFL show Thursday night football preview. The Denver Broncos on the road to face the Kansas City Chiefs in an AFC West clash. Delighted to once again have Andrew Morgan join me for our weekly preview. Andrew, it's great to see you. Having met you in person on Sunday. Really great day in London at the Tottenham Stadium. Yeah, what a day. It was um, it, it was built up to be a hell of a game and, and that's exactly what we got right down to the final whistle. It was a near Bills comeback. And yeah, what a uh, what a London NFL trip it was. Well, we're here to talk about Thursday night football, and it would be strange if we didn't have Colin Crown and John us bearing in mind it is his beloved Broncos that are going to have him up all hours of the morning on Thursday night going into Friday. Colin, great to have you on, on the Thursday night football preview. Uh, lovely to join you two lads. Uh, I wish uh, I was going into this game with more optimism. Uh, but given the history of the fixture and where the Broncos are at, uh, I I am more hope than expectation. Despite the record, Colin, and despite the record over the past couple of years, they do find ways to give the give the Chiefs a game. I recall the game after which Hackett was relieved of his duties last year. They gave them a very tough game, and, and Chiefs pulled away late. I mean, where do you see this game initially tomorrow night? Is it very much a one that the Chiefs should be winning comfortably, or do you see a scenario where the Broncos can hang with them for three, three to four quarters and whether they can put off the shockers on another team? But a lot of people will feel that in the previous games, they've, despite the form, they've always given the Chiefs a tough, a tough run on it. Yeah, I, I think it'll be close, right? It's a divisional game. And if you look at the Chiefs, they tend to play the, the bottom teams pretty close. They don't tend to blow teams out uh, in maybe the way that the Dolphins or the 49ers or the Eagles very often do. So I don't think you're going to see them hang 40 points or 50 points on the Broncos. I would expect uh, it to be closer than that. But one of the things that that really stood out to me, Brian, was the fact the Jets went to uh, the red zone five times at the weekend and they were 0-5. And people were kind of looking at that and going, ooh, the Broncos, red zone defense. No, the Broncos are on course for setting a new record for the worst defense um, in terms of DVOA. They were the worst ever measured through four weeks. They were the worst ever measured through five weeks, despite... Uh, the Jets' inability to get it done in the red zone. The bad news for the Broncos, the Chiefs are very good in the red zone. They're particularly good in the red zone at home. They were three for three uh, last weekend in the red zone. That is going to be an enormous issue for the Broncos. I am old enough to have seen some amazing, amazing scorelines in this fixture. Uh, 7-3 is one that comes to to mind. Um, And the Broncos... You know, look, they right now they're on this incredible losing streak. We had that for an awfully long time, far before uh, any of us were born. The Broncos failed to win an arrowhead um, between 1960 and 1973. Um, I'm not saying it's impossible. This is the beauty of the NFL. All things are possible. But I think it's it's highly unlikely in my estimation. Um, thinking about the season and the historically bad season that the Broncos are currently having can we I'd love to get your opinions on the Sean Payton 
era and how that's all started. Because obviously, I don't know if, if you heard, but there was a little bit of a grudge match uh, this weekend against the Jets. Obviously, with, with comments that he's made, already made a trade uh, with Andy Gregory. There's talk that Frank Clark and the receivers are on on the block and anybody who's worth a draft pick could be traded. He's, he's, his, uh, his trading camps were very like toes on the line, drill heavy, but the wins haven't come. And what is your sense of how the new era of the Denver Broncos has started with the way that he's um, brought things to the table? Well, he brought, um, I suppose, uh, put a target on his back with those comments in the offseason. I think up to that point, they had, he'd done a, a pretty good job in terms of keeping things quiet. The Broncos are usually a team who do an awful lot of offseason talking in recent years and haven't lived up to the hype. They had kept everything pretty much under wraps until that USA Today interview. It's gotten off to... I would say the offense has improved, right? I think you can see that Russell Wilson has improved, but the roster is nowhere near where it needs to be. Uh, Marvin Mims has probably been the bright spot and McLaughlin in terms of the running backs. So two of the rookies have done quite well. So I think offensively the team are, are okay. Uh, the the issue is that there aren't, there isn't enough explosiveness there. They... It'll be interesting to see. Mims has been fantastic when he has the ball in his hands, but uh, given the turnovers last week, will that have an impact to on uh, Thursday night? And uh, the defense has been obviously the biggest issue. He's the one who decided ultimately to hire Vance Joseph, and he has to live with the consequences on that. But I do think, um, you know, he pointed out that it wasn't just Russell Wilson last year. I think that's been one of the issues with the, the Broncos, right? They wanted to blame it all on Nathaniel Hackett last year. They wanted to blame it all on Pat Shermer the, the year before. There's always been a, a scapegoat rather than accepting that the roster isn't where it needs to be. I think it's year one for Sean Payton, but it's this is, is obviously very new to him. And the Broncos are going to have an enormous decision to make in the offseason around Russell Wilson and that contract. Colin, I know we touched on last night on the live show around, <clears throat> not necessarily a forest there, but it's been a lot of speculation around Judy, Sutton, Frank Clark. Uh, he has been a kind of bothered suit today with an article this afternoon basically saying that all three of them are available. Very no more than that they have the Chiefs twice in the next three weeks. I mean, it's an unfortunate quarter of events with, it, with the schedule before we hit that 31st of October deadline. If they were to lose the next two with the Packers in between and the season has actually written off, he is... Do you still hold, hold that kind of stance that you don't believe is going to be as, as proactive as people are suggesting in terms of, in terms of trades come Halloween? Well, I think the Broncos have put people would be open to it. I just don't think they'll probably get the offers that they want. And given, you know, where the team are losing, um, if you get an offer that you can sell to fans, but fans are already pretty unhappy coming off the back of seven years of the lack of playoffs, and the Broncos haven't been just bad, they've been boring. So ultimately, if you're moving guys on um, just to get rid of them for the, the sake of moving them on, you've you've done that with Randy Gregory, okay? Broncos fans could accept that, but you can't keep doing that, I think. Um, I, I think the, the one to probably keep an, a real eye on is uh, Patrick Sertan. Is somebody willing to pay the price to take him? I would argue he's the best cornerback in uh, the league, he's on a rookie deal. 
But the Broncos are, they need to be in rebuild mode. This is not a roster that is, uh, you know, a, a wide receiver away, um, a, an offensive tackle away. It's a, an offense or a roster that needs an entire overhaul. So the Broncos need picks. They have lacked picks because of that Russell Wilson trade, because of the move for Sean Payton. Um, they ha- they don't have a huge amount of cap room, so they're going to have to go down the draft route. That's why I think keep an eye on Sertan. I think it would take an enormous offer for him to move, but ultimately the Broncos need to bring in cheap young players. So I've just um, put the uh, the point spread in the betting up for, for Thursday, and first line that I saw which made me chuckle was, you don't normally get double-digit point spreads in the NFL. But the spread at the moment sits at ten and a half, which is obscene. Which and, and me and Brian were talking about this at the weekend on thir- last week's Thursday night game, Commanders and Bears. All we talked about was how the, how the Commanders were going to um, drive the Bears into the dirt, and lo and behold, we were and um, we were proven wrong on that one. So what we're going to do now is, when there are lopsided Thursday night games, we're going to come up with a devil's advocate part of the show. Just so that we can kind of cover our bases either way when we wake up on Friday morning and go, oh, well, we did predict this. But in your mind, where do you think the Broncos could win this game? What do you think needs to happen apart from Patrick Mahomes um, being lost on the plane and his bags getting lost somewhere else? Well, what do you think needs to happen in the game for the Broncos to be competitive, to stay in it, and potentially cause a massive upset? Well, I think the, given the fact that Broncos uh, haven't beaten the Chiefs uh, since 2015, they're they're probably due one uh, in in some way. So maybe by the the law of averages, you're hoping that that might be it. Uh, I think what it might be is essentially the the Chiefs on a, a short week. They don't, you know, a lot of times they're working stuff out. Travis Kelsey um, is dealing with uh, an an injury. He's somebody who's done enormous damage to the Broncos over the, the years um, and, and you're hoping that the, the short week helps you. I think if if the Broncos are to have a, a chance to win um, it, they're not going to be able to get into a, a shootout right? because the Chiefs are going to be able to, uh, to win that. So you're hoping that the Chiefs have an off night that the Broncos can um, you know keep uh, Mahomes off the field um, by keeping the drives methodical, and that ultimately, probably uh, Marvin Mims is uh, maybe the the difference maker when you need uh, to get out of jail on third down. You know, there are examples every week of teams coming up with surprises or teams winning in in strange ways. I mean, you only have to look at the Steelers and and Ravens uh, ultimately to see. Uh, you know the Ravens should have probably won that game. They should have scored maybe thirty-one points. They they didn't. Think you know drops can happen. That is something that has impacted on the Chiefs this year. That might be an area you're hoping the Chiefs have have a number of drops. The run game doesn't have um the efficiency that Pacheco sometimes has. Um and the Broncos get the the bounce of the ball. It is not beyond the realms of, of um possibility. I think. That's an enormous, um, you know, spread given where where these two teams are. Okay, it has happened, right? You you go you go back to twenty nineteen and the Chiefs won twenty three three, um, and then you go back to twenty sixteen. It was thirty three ten. But outside uh, of of that, in the last decade, 
Um, they've always kind of been within a touchdown. Now, this defense is this defense. That's, I think, the, the difference maker. Um, but generally, it, it is a, a touchdown that decides these games. Colin, thanks for joining us. We're going to have a chief view on things shortly. So, uh, Elijah, you could jump on as as part of the Thursday night football crew, given your angle on the Broncos. Uh, hopefully, it is a closer game than people expect and the Broncos can hold them. Because I think we need a good Thursday night game. We haven't had too many of them this season. So, uh, hopefully, that is the case. I'll talk to you later on. Fingers crossed the Broncos can put on a better performance than they did uh, when they played the Colts on Thursday night football last uh, year. I'll uh, I'll leave you to it. I imagine the uh, the Chiefs guest, Matt Derrick, is going to be much more optimistic. Thanks, lads. Thanks, Carl. Thank you. Just referring to that game uh, last season in which the Broncos played on Thursday night against the Colts. And uh, they dared to go after Gilmore throughout that game and he continuously found ways to intercept him. So they have for him. If the Broncos walk away from Thursday night football with storylines all the time, and here is the man who always brings us the storyline from from Kansas City, and that is Matt Derrick from Chiefs Title. Matt, you just missed Colin. He jumped off. He came on and gave us the Broncos view on teams and gave us the narrative as to how they can hang with the Chiefs tomorrow night and keep this game close. First question for you: Is this Kelsey distraction going to cost this team this year in terms of wait? And Kelsey, because um, it's good, it's it's exciting for everybody, but I'm sure Andy Reid could do without the headache at some stage. Yeah, I think I think Andy Reid would prefer not to have the headache. Um, he's he's had players obviously who've drawn attention before, but what Travis is going through right now might might be unparalleled in the NFL, even with some of the things that Patrick has had to go through. I don't think Patrick's ever had the paparazzi in the trees outside his house or anything. Not yet, at least. Um, but I think if there's any one person on this team and maybe in the NFL that can handle this, it's Travis Kelsey. I mean, he he has said he, he kind of knew what he was getting into when he reached out to Taylor Swift and he started this whole thing. So, um, and, and he's embracing it. He seems to be having a lot of fun with it. I mean, even the attention and, and, and even when he's talked about how he feels like the NFL is paying too much attention to it or overdoing it. He's having fun, and and honestly, his teammates seem to be having fun with it too. So I I don't think at this point it's been much of a distraction for anybody. Uh, and have you um have you found a, a way of getting into one of the boxes with Taylor Swift that one of the the upcoming home games yet? Is that on the is that on the plan for Mister Derek? Haven't haven't yet. Uh, you know, we'll see if she should, she comes out to the Denver game. Originally, what we'd heard was the reason why she went to the Chicago game because it was the only home game that uh, she was going to be able to squeeze into her schedule. So. We'll see, uh, but no, uh, yeah, they do a pretty good job of, of sneaking. They they did a really good job of sneaking her into the stadium during that Chicago game and sneaking her out too. Yeah, I mean, we've all been there. We've all slid into Taylor Swift's DMs and then tried to get a date or two, and then who, who knows what happens. And um, looking at the the Chiefs um, offense this year, it's it's proper first world problems, right? It's it's been good, but it hasn't quite clicked yet. Obviously, we talked about. Um, uh, the, the first game of the season when Kelsey wasn't there um, against Detroit and it didn't really work. How have you found that um, over the first month or so, um, players like Sky Moore, how, how has he kind of like come into the offense? Have you found that MBS has found a role as as that free agent? Um, and obviously, Kadarius Tony had the nightmare first game of the season. Those are the, really their big three 
wide receiver weapons. How do you feel like they've acclimated and um, been able to get things together? Yeah, it it really seems like they're still trying to figure things out. Um, you know, I, I'd asked Andy Reid a couple of weeks ago if, if this was kind of similar to what we've seen on the defensive side with this team. And, you know, and Steve Spagnuolo in the past has said that, hey, sometimes it takes you four to eight weeks into the season before you figure out what you have. And and Andy Reid says, no, he knows exactly what he has. It's just a matter of, of guys eliminating mistakes. And and I think inconsistent is absolutely the word that you can use to describe the the, the wide receiver group for the first month of the season. Um, just a lot of mistakes. You know, it has been not always on the same page with Mahomes. Obviously, the drops against Detroit were a problem. Um, there still have been isolated drops problems here and there. Mahomes owns a little bit of it, too. He's had some turnovers that are uncharacteristic of him. And and obviously, there have been other mistakes on the offensive, too, with the offensive line. But um, at this point, you know, this consistency is really what this group has lacked. Um, I thought that Sky Moore would have a much bigger role in the offense this year. So far, that hasn't materialized. You know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I, I think at this point, he is what he is, which is a pretty good receiver who can, you know, give you 700 yards of offense. But that's probably about it. He's not a necessarily a number one receiver. And and that's the question. You know, is there, outside of Travis Kelsey, is there a number one receiver that this team can go to, a true alpha that can take over? And, you know, if on third and eight is the one go-to player that you can go to. And and I just don't know if that player is there. Um, they have trusted everybody to a degree, but we haven't seen any of these receivers break out yet. And I mean, I think there's a potential for some of them. I mean, maybe Rasheed Rice will be that receiver in the future, but he hasn't really, you know, proved it yet. And he's a rookie, so there's there's a lot for him to still develop, and maybe he'll be that in the future. But I I don't think he's that this season yet. Matt, last February at Super Bowl, when we get to the preview show at Stadium, and you were our guest, you spoke about yeah, the early start of the season, how they were winning games without putting in these center performances, and we, you've kind of alluded to it. So, so was Andrew there. Like the similarities are uncanny. And I recall even you coming on a pre-Thursday night game last year and you're saying nobody is stepping up to the level in which Andy Reid was hoping for, expecting for. I know as the season gradually went down, Juju Schuster evolved into a great player. But like it's so it is so uncanny. Like they are winning games, they're not playing at the level Chiefs fans are where our NFL fans are so used to. It's a great sign because the Bengals right now are in front because of because of uh, Joe Burrow, the Bills. One week it looks great, forty-eight points against the Dolphins. Then they go to London and they get the, they get beaten by the Jags. The inconsistency is there across the AFC right now. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you know, that's everybody's taking a loss at this point. I mean, the Dolphins looked absolutely unbeatable. They they lose to the Bills, and then the Bills go and lose to Jacksonville in London. Um, there, there's maybe a little bit more parity across the AFC. I, I think that certainly you look over at the NFC and look what the Eagles and the 49ers are doing, and they are just miles ahead of, I think, of everybody else in that conf- conference right now. You know, with the issues that some of the teams are having, like Kansas City and Buffalo and the Bengals, there is, I think, a little bit more competition this year. The question's going to be is who figures it out first? And I'll, I'll always bet on the team with Patrick Mahomes being the one that's going to figure it out at some point. You, you mentioned it's first world problems. And, and I say, you know, oftentimes it's grading this offense on a curve because we just have so many expectations about what this offense can be because we have seen it. So when they're having a, you know, outcomes like this, where maybe they're only maybe the third or the fifth best offense in the league right now, uh, it seems like they're struggling. 
And to a degree, they are based on their own expectations. But, you know, are they going to play like this the entire year? I have a hard time believing that. I mean, I, I think at some point you're going to see the the relationship between Mahomes and these receivers click. Maybe they won't have a thousand yard receiver, but you know what? Outside of Kelsey, they didn't last year. They won the Super Bowl, so it's not necessarily you know mandatory that you have that. You just need a collection of players that can contribute, and that's what they're trying to get to right now and get some of that consistency. So we've got a new. Uh, segment of the show from the the last time you came on we're calling it the devil's advocate section and the reason why we've put, brought this in is because last week we're all over the commanders thought the bears were going to get annihilated i thought that matt eberfuss was going to get fired um and then they lost and then we have egg on our face so what we're trying to do is play the 10th man kind of thing from world war z and come up with a scenario where things aren't what we predict that they're going to be i mean the spread on this game is it's, it's double figures you're expecting it to be all over by the shouting by halftime, essentially. In your mind, looking at the matchup, where do you think the Broncos could cause an upset and we could accept more? Us over here in England could wake up on a Friday morning with a Denver Broncos win on the board. Well, and, and that the first thing is just simply that this is a Thursday night and NFL games on Thursday night are among the most unpredictable games of the season. Um, it's a short turnaround. It's, it's an extremely short rest, and that really is a, a leveler for a lot of teams. And as a result, you get a lot of sloppiness. Mistakes have been a problem for the Chiefs. So, yes, could I absolutely see a scenario where the Chiefs make a lot of mistakes? Denver comes in and, and plays their best game of the season because they know this is an opportunity to to get things right and to prove a point and make a case for themselves, um, individual players being able to put some good work on tape and get attention from other teams. I mean, that can happen. I mean, this is the Chiefs know they're going to get everybody's best shot every week. And if they don't show up, if they kind of come in and they make mistakes, Mahomes turns over the football, uh, the offensive line commits a lot of penalties, the defense has a letdown, this is absolutely a game that can get away from them. And and we have seen AFC West divisional games do that. Um, you know, teams that have struggled like the Raiders have knocked off the Chiefs on Thursday night before, so it, it wouldn't be the first time. But I think that would have to be it. You know, it would be the, the Broncos playing a, a virtually perfect game, not turning the football over, and the Chiefs just making a lot of mistakes and their defense having a letdown. Yeah, that happens, and this could be a, a, a high-scoring game, but it could be a game that the Chiefs lose. Matt, normally in November, December, we look at the critical point in the schedule. I'm looking at the Chiefs' schedule today in a strange way. I'm looking at the next four weeks as a really big stage and big opportunity within the season. Two games against the Broncos, which, which you know, strange enough too with the next three weeks. It's similar for other teams this season. You know, you'd expect them to win, win both those games. You've got the Chargers in between before they go to Germany. And the way the Dolphins are playing, like Dol Dolphins would arguably see themselves as a serious contender this year. They get beyond the Dolphins and get through these four games unscathed and have the victories, is that really kind of pushing them over the edge in terms of being that number one seed again? Yeah, this is going to be a, a pretty critical stretch because, yeah, you've got, you know, three divisional games that'll go a long way towards, you know, really sorting out the AFC West, the Broncos, Chargers, and the Broncos in the next three weeks. If the Chiefs come through that stretch 3-0, and they're going to be in really good shape as far as the division goes, and they'll be 7-1 in the conference. And then you've got that Titanic showdown in Germany with the Dolphins, which is going to be one of the marquee games of the year. Um, I've been talking to people, you know, making the case that maybe this is going to be the best game that's ever been played overseas in the NFL. Um, I, I think everybody should be really looking forward to it. 
the one thing that the Chiefs, you know, can't do against the Dolphins, and it's looking ahead, but they've got to have they'll have a bye week and the Eagles right after that. Uh, they're going to have to have their attention focused on the Dolphins when they get to Germany, and I, I and I think they will. Um, you know, it sounds like both teams are going to be going about it differently. I've heard that the Dolphins are going to be uh, going to Germany early in the week. The Chiefs are traveling on Friday before the game, so a lot of things can happen. But um, that is, we're going to learn a lot about this Chiefs defense uh, over the next four weeks. And this defense is the one that I think we have the maybe the most expectations for now and they can really they have an opportunity to prove themselves against these offenses over the next month it's interesting you literally just finished on defense and I, that, that was the next question that i wanted to ask because having i can't remember how many years steve spagnola has now been the dc at kansas you talked about the offense on a curve you find that his defenses start quite slowly and then they start to understand the multiplicity and the aggressiveness that he likes to bring to the table do you think that that's is progressing almost the same as in previous years with with it being a process for them uh, to develop into and yeah how do you feel that they're going to be like matched up against the eagles and the dolphins and these high powered offenses in the next few weeks yeah this is this has come together much quicker than uh, steve spagnuolo's other defenses since he got to kansas city in 2019 and and this is i mean really i think you could make a case for him that this is the most consistency as far as he's had, as far as just personnel coming back from one season to the next. And that's been a big part of it. I think that they've been able to add some more complexity to this defense and get some more comfort level in chemistry uh, because they don't have a lot of new faces. Last year, they had five rookies who were playing a lot for them. Uh, this year, you know, it, the rookies that they do have, like, you know, Felix, and DK Uzama, uh, even Shamari Connor. I mean, they're playing rotational pieces. They're they're relying on their veterans and the guys who've been around for a couple of years. And you're seeing so much more comfort level. Um, the corners are playing extremely well. Trent McDuffie in year two has been playing very well. And Legarius Sneed has been absolutely a shutdown corner for the first month of the season, going up against some tough receivers. Um, Nick Bolden, even though he's been out of the lineup, Drew Tranquil has been an incredible acquisition. Has probably one just been one of the the best free agent finds that they've had. Uh, but Justin Reed on the back end, you know, has talked about how much more comfort level he has and understanding of this defense than he did a year ago, and, and that all has seemed to come together. So this defense is gelling much faster than anybody expected this year, um, you know, and and the game against the Vikings told me a lot because the Vikings have an offense that's very similar to the ones that they're going to see in Buffalo and Cincinnati. Not the speed of the Dolphins for sure, but you know, as far as having multiple threats at receiver, at tight end, in the backfield, having a good quarterback, and, and this defense played very well. If they can bring that same kind of performance when they face the Bengals and the Bills and the Dolphins, uh, this defense is going to be in pretty good shape. My final question, just to close it out, uh, you, you touched on Based on Alex Preston, how you saw a scenario of tourism league football, we've seen teams start slowly during the season, having come off of Sunday of a tourism game. How do you see this game playing out? Do you think it's one of those ones, Brandon, when we've seen in the past with AFC West games, doesn't necessarily always go with the form and the expectation. Do you see the Broncos hanging with them for a period of time? Like Chiefs pull away four quarter, two quarter, or is it going to be one of those easier, more comfortable nights for Chiefs? I mean, this just seems set up for one of these games that's going to get out of hand early. And I I mean, I generally hate, you know, predicting that there's going to be a big win on a Thursday night because they always seem to be close. But 
these are two teams going in different directions right now. Even even though the really the best thing that the Rockets have had going for them is their offense, uh, but Sean Payton and Russell Wilson don't seem to be on the same page right now. And and this Broncos defense, unless the Chiefs make some mistakes, I'm not sure how they stop them and slow them down. Uh, I think it's a bit of a mismatch, and and maybe the short turnaround time, maybe the the, the Chiefs being a little banged up in some places will come back to haunt them. Um, but I, I think Andy Reid's got this team focused. I think they're they're going to be prepared for this, and I think the Broncos are still a little bit away from being able to to be on the Chiefs level. So pro- I I, w- I think it'll be a much uh, different fight in Denver in a couple of weeks. But this one, I think the Chiefs should win comfortably. I'm going with Kansas City, 31 to 13. Are we even giving us a score? Really, really, really good. Matt, as always, we really appreciate your time. Matt Derek from the Chiefs Digest, always very accommodating with his time for us here. We really appreciate it. Hopefully we have you back on with another primetime game later on in the season. Matt, thanks very much as always. Absolutely. It was great talking to you. Take care, everybody. Thanks, Matt. There we have the view of Matt Derek from the Chiefs Digest. So uh, time for our picks. I, I think this week, we seem to be getting these games every week, Andrew, where we're very aligned and it, it sometimes doesn't turn out this way. I really am a feeling this week we're going to be spot on. I am going with the Chiefs and I'm going with the Chiefs to cover the spread. I know people will now go to high spread for Thursday night football. Game strikes me as when the 49ers played the Giants. I can see the Broncos hanging around till half time. Chiefs put away in the second half. I'm going with the Chiefs to cover the spread. Um, I won't go as high scoring as, as Matt, I will say, meaning Mac, I'll say 27 10. Chiefs. Yeah, and at least we've covered both both sides of the spectrum, so we can just edit this in post and then just say, "Oh yeah, we totally had it between Colin and Matt. We've we've covered ourselves and we've we've understood where where the game can go." Because yeah, Thursday nights we saw at the weekend three or four injuries in the space of maybe a quarter or so can absolutely decimate a team and and change the complexion of what they're able to do. So you know that it, in the NFL, it's always going to be uh, close. However. From what Colin said about the defense, and it is historically bad, and it's just not clicking. I'm I'm going to go the complete opposite way. I'm going to go forty to three. I'm going to go with a complete annihilation and embarrassment because ever since Sean Payton said that stuff, it got my back up in terms of what you do and don't do um, as a coach, or just as a professional, really. So I would like to see the Denver Broncos uh, lose spectacularly, emphatically tomorrow night. You are going for an absolute blowout. I didn't think that was good. Oh, yeah. I, I want back. Look, I want the. I want the long snapper to throw a touchdown. That's how confident I am. Well, next week I think we have a really intriguing one and a really enticing one. Arguably, it could be one of the better ones of the season. That is the Jags going on the road to New Orleans to face the Saints. Both have a winning records at the moment. Both have winnable games this weekend. It'll be interesting to see what comes of this weekend. But that's a really good game next week. I'm looking forward to previewing that one couple of beat uh, writers uh, lined up for that one as well next week so looking forward to your company as always again Andrew next week but that's a really look couple for next week but obviously we've got to get through this one AFC West Clash Thursday Night Football the Broncos at the Chiefs for now thank you no problem see you next week